Acts 4, 23 through 33. As soon as they were released, Peter and John went to their own people and reported all that the ruling Kohanim and elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, O sovereign master, you have made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You said by the Ruach HaKodesh, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot foolish things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against Adonai and against his anointed one. For truly, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, were gathered together in this city against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you anointed. They did whatever your hand and your purpose predetermined to happen. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants to speak your word with utmost courage while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. When they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the whole group of those who believed was one in heart and mind. No one would say anything he owned was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the emissaries were given witness to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua, and abundant favor was upon them all. Thank you, Tony. And again, we are considering prayer, and um, perhaps from time to time you were looking at Rabbi David and myself and thinking, okay, enough already. Uh, I know about prayer. I pray. Uh, the answer, of course, is yes and no. Um, prayer is like our relationship with God that is very, very basic. Um, young, very, very young children have a relationship with God. Um, the, the people, the believers in Papua New Guinea who are Stone Age don't really know much about Hebraic roots, about the Jewishness of Yeshua, etc., etc. They have, I, I'm convinced, they have a vivid relationship, a powerful relationship with God. Um, as is the case for all of us, however, part of the picture, I like to think, and I believe firmly, that prayer is the lifeblood of our relationship with God. That as we pray and as we learn to pray, our relationship with God uh, thrives and grows and increases and matures and we become more and more like Yeshua. Um, for us who are his disciples, his followers, that's a very basic uh, desire. And it is my expectation for myself and for our congregational mishpacha that we will become more and more uh, a praying people. And it gives me a great deal of joy to realize that God has been stirring within us um, a greater desire for prayer. And I'm seeing more and more of our folks being involved 
uh, in prayer and intercession as, uh, as we mentioned during uh, Elaine's presentation, Joanne Tischler was upstairs praying, um, not because she was insecure about Joanne's, uh, about Elaine's presentation, but um, we all are convinced that as our services and everything that we do are bathed in prayer, that what God wants to see happen will take place. Um, his will would be done and you and I will be blessed and what God has in mind for us will flourish not only in us but also through us um, and so we've been looking in a, at a number of these passages uh, both in terms of Yeshua's um, teaching uh, through the parables and also last Shabbat last time uh, we looked at how the disciples were praying in Acts chapter 12. And today we have more, uh, uh, another, an additional example uh, of how these early, early believers um, invested themselves and their life in, in prayer and intercession. Um, as you can imagine, living in the first century as believers was, uh, was not a piece of cake. Um, it was difficult to say the least because at any given time, as, as we saw in chapter 12, uh, one of the leaders was hauled off and, uh, and killed and Peter was hauled off to prison, uh, to jail. And uh, you know, from time to time, we kvetch, we complain about the fact that uh, the United States and uh, the, um, the culture of the Western world is becoming less and less godly. Um, however, part of what we need to remember is that we really have absolutely no clue what it's like to be living under persecution. Um, as a number of countries where believers are suffering for the Lord, in, including dying. Um, I'm fortunate in that I have never been in a situation where I had to experience such severe persecution, but part of the picture for us in Israel um, in the 1950s and 60s um, was that we were a small and beleaguered uh, and persecuted minority. And I know we have some other folks from different countries, such as the Eastern, uh, Eastern uh, Europe. Um, but here in this situation, life was difficult in, uh, in Acts chapter 4. Um, we see in chapter 3, kind of leading up to it, that... Um, Peter comes up uh, to the temple uh, to pray um, at, at 3 o'clock. And it's interesting that if you know anything about Luke, uh, the physician was very methodical. He gives us all these specific details. Well, um, 3 o'clock is also the hour of prayer today in traditional Judaism. Um, 
he and John come up to the temple. They see this uh, lame man, um, and we're all familiar with the story how that Peter, um, by the power of God, heals him, and this guy pops up and uh, praises God, and everybody um, in the temple area um, comes up because they're curious, you know, this is not something that it happened regularly, and uh, Peter seizes the opportunity to share the good news with, with the people, and we're told in, at the end of chapter 3 uh, that the number of believers, uh, we're only given the, the number of men, but uh, probably 10,000 or so uh, came to faith during that, during that season. So... As you can imagine, opposition kicks in. And we forget uh, the reality that opposition, uh, spiritual opposition, sometimes human opposition is something that is normal. Opposition happens. Um, Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the religious uh, supreme court along with the man who was healed, um, and they're upset. Now, a, a major chunk of the Sanhedrin were the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection. So you can see why they're not thrilled that Peter um, and John and the other disciples are talking about the resurrection. Um, and they warn them, the Sanhedrin warns them with an inch of the life, don't do this or else more is going to happen, um, and Luke is very careful to tell us that uh, the members of the Sanhedrin didn't really know what to do because the rank and file uh, of the people in Jerusalem were ecstatic. Uh, they were praising God. Uh, something like that had not happened before. They release John and Peter, which is where we find ourselves um, in the portion that uh, Tony read to us. And they come and they share what had happened um, with the rest of the community there. And uh, the people of the community are burst forth into loud kvetching and complaining. No. I just wanted to see if you're awake here. <laughs> they don't uh, begin to um, spell out the potential dangers and hazards and 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 uh, uh, talk about the what could happen if if they continue to do this kind of foolishness. Instead, what you have here is what I would call a praise party. Um, not a shred of fear. And furthermore, you don't see these guys quivering and say, God, have mercy, protect us. You know, what are these guys going to do to us? Why? Because they have a strong conviction that God is in control. And that he has the power to heal 
and he has the power to protect him, which means that they need to praise him. Why? Because he has things well in hand. And part of what we've been endeavoring to address the last several weeks is the fact that prayer so often for us uh, is coming to God with the laundry list of things. As in, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I, and furthermore, I need this. And oh, by the way, uh, would you please bring it about five minutes ago? Um, and so our prayer often is not about God and what He wants. Our prayer is about us and what it is that we want. Why? Because we are very timid and very insecure about the prospect that A, God knows what's going on, B, He's in control, and He's able to provide. Um, and so you notice in this praise party, these folks begin, first of all, as Yeshua taught us to pray, um, you don't begin with, God, I need this and, and I need that, but I'm sure if we were to ask, everybody would rattle the so-called Lord's Prayer, which is basically a model, um, somewhat like the Kaddish that we recite each Shabbat, that places God front and center on, on, the, uh, on center stage and puts the, f the floodlight on Him. That's what glory glorifying God means. And that's what these uh, uh, early believers begin by saying. Lord God, you made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Do you see any indication of, God, they're coming after us. They're going to kill us. What are you going to do about it? Their emphasis is, first of all, on Lord God. And by the way, the Greek word despotes literally means master of all. And if God is the master of all, what does that make us? We're not the master of all. We're the servants of the master of all. You spoke by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to the mouth of your servant David. A couple of things about that. First of all, um, it indicates the fact that what has been taking place doesn't catch God, has not been catching God by surprise. And furthermore, he not only knew about it, he predicted what was going to happen. We see that, for example, in, in Isaiah 46, where the Lord says, you need to know who I am. I know the end from the beginning, and furthermore, I predict what's going to happen. So what takes place isn't something that catches, catches me by surprise. And the other thing that really grabbed my attention here is this prayer is very scriptural. What does that suggest? It suggests that these early believers were deeply immersed in the truth of the Word of God, and that is what defined their prayers. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we pray, 
and our prayers have nothing to do with what it is that God wants, have nothing to do at all with what God has had to say before. But here in this short couple of verses, you have reference to Hezekiah's prayer when Hezekiah was in, in, in a bad place. Um, and of course, also Psalm chapter two, Psalm 2, which at that point was considered to be a messianic psalm. And so these believers are saying, um, we understand that opposition is normal. Uh, in verse 27, Herod and Pontius Pilate uh, met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you anointed the Mashiach. And then they go on to praise God. Now, why did they do that? Are they a little mishogi? Well, probably. The Word of God tells us to praise God as a matter of course. Not because we have a gun put to our head, but because this is reality of how we live life. We praise God because it's right and proper. It's the right thing to do because this is who he is. He's our creator and our redeemer. But also, did you consider the fact that praising God also helps our sanity? Sanity is a good thing, right? Because if we stop and recognize who God is, that he is in control, it will help, it will cause us to stop freaking out and recognize and be able to step back and have a different perspective. The perspective that God is working things and that he's with us and that he's able to carry out his plans and purposes. And then the other part of this prayer shifts from, from praising God to petition. And they ask for something that makes absolutely no particle of sense. Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And you want to say, are you guys Meshuggi? Here you've, you've had... Um, John and Peter hauled up before the Sanhedrin. They could have been dead. Um, and the smart thing to do is to fly under the radar, not to be bold and be very obvious so people can come after you. And they are saying, God, we want to be able to do more and more and to do it better, which is what... The Greek word for bold means to do it effectively and powerfully. And obviously this was a prayer that God smiled upon because the place shook. And, and that, if you're familiar with, with the giving of the Torah, the mountain shook. And a strong indicator of the fact that God showed up big time here. And they were filled with the Ruach. And they spoke the word of God boldly. 
they proclaimed the word of God boldly. Now, I, I have been a, a believer since I was a teenager. So I, I'm not going to ask you to do the math here. But pretty close to half a century. And when it comes to the, the truth of the fullness of the Spirit of God, what do people usually think about? They usually th think about signs and wonders, external manifestations. However, as you read the book of Acts, you find that, yes, there are signs and wonders and external manifestations. But over and over and over and over again, when people are filled with the Spirit of God, they are anointed and empowered to speak the Word of God. Because that, folks, is the commission that you and I have been given. We are carriers or, or uh, proclaimers of the good news. And we can only do that as we are empowered by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, what happens sometimes is we tend to think about proclaiming the good news like a sales pitch, you know, like a sales shtick. You know, you have five, five major points. This is what I, I'm, uh, I'm going to make a sales presentation. I'm going to sell God as if God really needed to be sold. And in order to persuade people uh, to accept him. And I don't know about you, if, if someone accepts the truth of the Word of God because I'm cute and clever and persuasive, it's not worth a whole lot, is it? The power of God has to be involved in the presentation. And that is something we see over and over and over again, that the Word of God always has to be associated or connected with with the Word of God. This is a message from uh, someplace. So this is something that we have, as, as Yeshua Tzion has been growing, and not just numerically, as we've been growing spiritually and maturing, um, what we have endeavored to do is to bathe every aspect of congregational life in prayer. Um, so before we have our Bible study, we pray. Why? Because it isn't about how uh, wonderfully effective and dynamic whoever is speaking on Wednesday night or on Shabbat morning, whoever is presenting the Word of God. It has to be the power of God validating the Word of God. Whether it, it is spectacular and, and as, it, as, it, as it is in the book of Acts where, where people are instantaneously healed or not, the power of God is always at work if it is the Word of God. It doesn't have to be spectacular, 
But if God, folks, listen to me, please. If God is speaking, what do you think will happen? Do you think a person will walk away totally unchanged? James uh, puts it this way. If, if a person really hears the word of God, are they going to walk away like a person looking in the mirror and saying, Oh, I'm covered with filth. I, everything is fine. If God's word is proclaimed, folks, then it will be associated, it will be accompanied and validated by power. Today, tomorrow, the day after, there will be change, there will be transformation. And the person who hears from God will not be the same person as they were a moment ago, a day ago, a week ago, a year ago. And that is, folks, why we invest so much time and, and care to pray for each of our services and for the things that we do, period, because we recognize that what takes place has to be God's working, God's power, not merely us doing what we do. And so we see that here in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God came upon these folks and one of the major results was the fact that these guys loved each other. Now, in a Messianic Jewish synagogue, I don't take that for granted because we have folks that come from every imag imaginable background. And you know, human nature being what it is, we can fuss and, and fume about the weather. You know, you can say, it, it is going to be a bomb cyclone, and I'm going to say, no, it is not going to be a bomb cyclone. It is merely going to be a storm, and on and on and on. And we have a variety of folks here. Um, may I say we have a good bunch of feisty characters here at Yeshua Tzion. And God has taken us and molded us and shape, has been shaping us. And that, folks, is the Spirit of God at work. We pray for that. But yes, it is the power of God at work. And that is what we see here in, in the book of Acts. Remember what Yeshua said. This is how the world, the folks out there who don't know me, will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. If you are a bunch of folks who quarrel and, and fuss and fume at each other, well, that's no big deal. Everybody else is doing that. If, on the other hand, you live in unity, then this is a true indication of the fact that the power of God is at work. And what Luke tells us is that they were one heart, one mind, very Jewish expression, like Every Shabbat when we recite the Shema, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. In other words, the care, concern, love is deep-seated, wholehearted. Not because we know each other and we like every single thing about each other. And folks, part of reality, as you 
grow as a congregational mishpacha, you learn all kinds of quirks about individuals that you may not necessarily love, but you love the people. And that's part of what happens, is the Spirit of God is at work. And by the way, remember that these guys tended to quarrel at the drop of a hat. Um, even as Yeshua is telling them, I'm about to go to, to the cross, I'm about to die, what is their response? Yes, God, yes, Lord, we are concerned for you. What is their response? Who is the greatest? They're fussing with each other. So that was before. Now they're totally transformed. They care for each other. They share each other's, uh, they share their resources. They're one heart, one mind. And this is part of the larger picture that begins, first of all, with folks understanding the need to praise and pray. Because as we folks learn to pray and praise, then that will spill over to other people. Remember what Yeshua said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And praise your Father who is in heaven. We see this in, in this particular story over and over and over again. The, the man who was healed jumped and, and was praising God. The people who saw what was going on were praising God. And of course, Yeshua's disciples were praising God. Because that's reality for us. If we truly understand that God is firm in control, then that's what we'll do. And that is not because everything is going wonderfully well. I'm sure if we were to go around this room, we can get all kinds of stories about difficulties and health issues and relationship issues and financial issues and on and on and on and on. If we were to wait until everything is settled and everything is wonderful, would we ever praise God? The Word of God tells us simply this. At all time, give thanks because this is the will of God. That is what God has called us. I'll close with this statement from 1 Peter 2.9. You're chosen to proclaim the good news, to praise God so that people will see him. This may seem like something beyond you, but part of our growth and our maturity spiritually is recognizing what God lays out before us and saying, God, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but that's where I want to go. I want to be a praiser. I want to be something who has learned to live 
as an individual who is under your sovereign umbrella and is based bases their security in that. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, we thank you, Father God, for your grace, your mercy, your power. Thank you, Lord God, that you know us inside and out. Lord God, we pray that your spirit would embed within us a praising and a praying heart and mind. Lord God, teach us to seek you, to, to, to pray, to desire, Lord God, to be bold in communicating who you are to others. Pray that you would receive much honor and glory in our life, in us and through us. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen.